Courtney, I'll get Jason a different way so we can talk about it. Okay. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> well, we should first explain. Ryan scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I really got you. He really got me. I was walking up the stairs after being downstairs. Obviously, <laughs> sure, sure. That, that tracks. And, um, <laughs> Let me start with Emma and I ended up in the podcast room first after finishing the movie. And Ryan said, should we scare Courtney? And I said, get in the closet. <laughs> and then I was walking upstairs and I thought, it's way too quiet up here. They're going to scare me. Because Ryan, for every October that I've known him, October 1st points at you and says, I'm going to scare the hell out of you this month. <laughs> and he always does. He always does. So we he flipped the bathroom light on in the hall, closed the door to act like he was in the bathroom. Which worked. <laughs> I thought he was. And then Courtney came in and she's like, oh my gosh, I thought you guys were going to scare me. And I went, no. <laughs> Ryan's just in the bathroom. And then we chatted for a little and then, boo, the scare master. <laughs> that was so scary. I just painted a picture. So Courtney is sitting in an office chair <laughs> with a high back. And as I jumped out, just leaned back. <laughs> Into the chair. Her eyes popped out of her head. Where were you hiding? In the closet. In the closet. Right he opened the closet and screamed at me. I screamed back. So, so yesterday, uh, Ryan had conveniently left his wallet in our car a couple days ago, and he yesterday was going to pick it up. I was like, "Text me when you're here," because I was upstairs, and then I hear a, uh, the doorbell. So I'm like, "He didn't text me. Something's going on." Something's not sitting well. I was like, Courtney's already left. Maybe she conveniently like left it unlocked so Ryan could come in here. <laughs> and, and anyway, I was like, I walked down the stairs slowly and like around every corner was like, and I even, I even kind of like peeked down from the stairs to like our door because there's there's windows on our door and I saw a person there. I was like, okay, well that's Ryan. And even as I was walking towards the door, this is a credit to you, Ryan. I was like, what if it was like a paper mache, like a thing that he put on the wall. To, like, be hiding in the closet now. That is something you would do. It is something I do. I, I would just like to say, Jason has given me so much credit into the effort I will yeah, put. Yeah, it's usually just, like, masks. Yeah, I, I, I just, you know, maybe I'm just not really sure, like, what your resources are. Like, I don't really know, like, Which honestly the makes... limits to, like, the things you can pull off. But I just, I assume everything. I feel like I have to go full Broadway <laughs> in order to scare Jason I'd at prefer not. <laughs> full Broadway. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just on the porch, dirt, dirt, dirt. <laughs> just waiting for him to open yeah. the door. I have a mirror just to look around every corner, <laughs> like in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. You are I such a nerd! Oh my Harry gosh, nerd alert! Happen? Do you take this woman to watch movies? And do you take this man to talk about them? I now pronounce you a podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Wife Watches. I'm here with uh, my wife, Courtney. Hey, guys. Welcome. Uh, I've also got on the mic with us Ryan Cholet. Honestly, honored to be here every time. Um, Emma is en route. I talk to her. She's fine. It's another Courtney-centric episode. It's about... This is Courtney's the mom today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How's everyone doing? I personally have some stray thoughts since we watched it one last week go on i listened to a podcast uh, from the big picture where they uh interviewed andy muschetti after making the first film and just some something interesting i learned he talked about how he wanted it to 
Uh, he's talked about, how, he's referenced in the book as being um, unable to empathize with people. And so the part where his eye droops weird mm. at the beginning of the first movie, that's because he got distracted by thinking of how much he would like want to eat Georgie. Oh, and so, and, and, and he's not good at being a human, even though he's like trying to emulate how humans act. He like forgot about it for a second. Oh, and like his eye went weird. And that's when like he like realized what was going on. He's like, oh, oh, put it back on and like snapped back up. I also got some clarity on the whole turtle debacle. Yes. Good. I'm glad. Um, so I read, I just read the Wikipedia portion of the younger uh, era from the book. Okay. And I quote, so this is when they go into um, the sewer to confront it. It says that in the sewers, Bill performs the ritual of Chud. He learned to face it in the macroverse, where he meets the monster's antithesis, Maturin, an ancient turtle that created the universe, which it vomited up following a stomach ache, who explains that it can only be defeated during a battle of wills. So there's like a ritual that he learned, and in that he kind of like travels into the mind of it, and they travel into the macroverse, and that's where he meets this turtle who created the universe, who like explains how to beat it. And I, I knew that in the 1990 miniseries, they didn't really show that because like, how do you really, <laughs> especially in the 90s, like you could probably yeah. pull that off better now. Um, Are you guys just kind of picturing the turtle from Moana? I was actually picturing more the Finding Nemo I turtle. actually was too, yeah. Uh, yeah. How? I mean, Stephen King was on a lot of drugs. Yeah, also, yeah. <laughs> well, and so now I'm thinking I kind of misspoke because I was talking about it as like a cosmic being, which that is more like Ant-Man and the Microverse. Versus like Guardians of the Galaxy, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not like space, but it's more like a different dimension here on Earth. I think. I could be way off. No, I... that's what everything said. Okay. Again, we are uh, doing minimal research and then <laughs> just like talking out loud. This is, it's, does it kind of remind you of when we were kids and this is how kids would just talk? They would just kind of like postulate out loud and be like, hmm, that's probably what it is because they don't have the resources just to like look it up. Yeah. None of us can read too. So yeah, yeah we don't know how. Read. That's why we uh, broke into an, an audio medium. <laughs> I know what the shapes look like on the computer to start recording, but that's, that's, all, I could, that's all I got. Okay, so the something that I found out, the sea turtle Maturin, is that... <laughs> Hi, Mom. Hey. Emma just showed up. That's what just happened. So she's going to grab a chair. All right, tell us about Maturin. So Maturin is also um, a part of the Dark Tower series. Uh, did you read that as well? No, but I knew that because they made the Dark Tower movie with Matthew McConaughey that was apparently terrible. It but, wasn't. I saw it. But it was It was people trying. I think people were like, oh, they're after because it was really successful. And they made that. And they're like, what if they're going to try to. Because in a way, a lot of the books are linked in Stephen oh, King's sure. library. So yeah. they're like, I think they were like. People were thinking they were going to try to like branch us out and make like a make a, S- a grand universe. An SKU. Yeah, very good. <laughs> SKCU. <laughs> SKCU, correct. Emma, we're just uh, getting into the weeds of Stephen King right now. Oh, good guy. Good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of out of breath because I was trying to be so quiet. <laughs> so I was holding my breath while walking up the stairs. That is and incredibly polite of you. Thank of you. Of course. I wouldn't want to interrupt the podcast. She was, she was so quiet. Oh, the other thing I learned about uh, when I was just reading about what happened in the book for the, fir- the first half of the book, um, the kid, what's the bully's name again? 
Henry uh, Bowers. That's it. Henry Bowers. Remember how he fell to his death through like that well? It was like very violent. Um, In the book, he is actually like gets lost in the sewers and goes crazy after he's like possessed by it to go after the, the losers. He goes insane and the deaths of all the children are put on him. And he's like locked away in an insane asylum. Wait, sorry to, to back up here. Have you seen It Chapter 2? No, I haven't. Oh. <laughs> We're all just quiet. Just um, shut up. I'm, I'm going to assume he doesn't. Otherwise, he might have played a part in the book. But I don't tell me if I'm right or wrong. But I imagine he uh, they dismissed him that way just to like tie up that loose end. So I have a question. We talked last episode about uh, the children floating down and being like, well, so were they alive? So does that mean that they were dead and they found the bodies and they blamed it on him? I don't remember. I think just they were there were kids that had already died. Like Georgie had definitely had died by that point, but some other ones had just disappeared. Right. But how would you pin that on him if you don't have a body? Um, oh, they, you would they, have a body because they... Well, no, oh, they, they, they the disappearances, I think. I could be way off. I don't really know. Uh, like the disappearances they pinned on him. As someone who is well-versed in true crime, I just don't understand how you could pin it on Henry Bowers when nobody was produced. This is from Wikipedia. Bowers, having lost his sanity by the time he washed out of the sewers into a nearby river, is institutionalized after being blamed for the child murders. Can someone remind me how Valerie didn't die, but all the other kids did? Is it because she didn't believe and the other kids did? Oh, you mean Beverly? Uh-huh. <laughs> Huge fan. Uh, well, she just hadn't. I think he leaves them in limbo there for a while and slowly eats them as they're afraid. Oh, okay. And so she just was new to the process. Got it. And it makes sense that Georgie was dead because he had gotten him a year prior. Got it. Well, so I don't really know much about chapter two at all. I know that they're adults and that's it. I don't know how it ends. I don't know if there are casualties. I think there is at least one because I remember there being a head in the fridge in the 1990 miniseries. Do you know who's in the cast? I, uh, I know, yeah, I know it's, it's Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. I know Bill Hader. I know James well, McAvoy. Let me, let me tell you. Well, no, 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 don't tell me. I'd, I'd, I'd want to just like find out, but I only know those three. Oh, okay. I won't <laughs> tell you then. I will just share a, a quick story. I went and saw a movie by myself last year, uh, Dark Phoenix, a not great X-Men film. It was Ryan's, he knows. He knows that it's not good. <laughs> it's just... You want it to be so much more than it was. It, yeah, it was um, a real tragedy. <laughs> I saw it by myself, and um, I was sitting there in the theater, and a trailer came on, and it was Jessica Chastain, who's also in Dark Phoenix. And mm. it was, oh, she's like with some old woman. They're talking. She's going through a house. I'm like, what is this? This is interesting. I don't know what this is. And then the old woman kind of walks off into the background while she's in the foreground and does this janky freaking dance in the background <laughs> and i knew exactly what this trailer was for and i took my ball cap and i t- like tilted it down so i couldn't see and then i put my hood on oh. while i heard all the noises <laughs> and i was like oh, i'm by myself this is for it chapter two i know it is <laughs> well was it it was oh. i was right and i kind of wonder i'm curious if uh, how i remember that dance because i just you know when you think of something over and over and it kind of like changes? Yes. I wonder if it's actually the same like movement that I'm imagining right now in my I, head. I bet it is. Can't wait for you to can't wait for you to see. Also, I just want to circle back to uh, your ball cap while you were at the pictures. I also was juggling <laughs> at ball cap. <laughs> and the ball cap. You guys, ball. you guys don't get to see the ball cap very often. <laughs> I just have never heard it called a ball cap before. <laughs> 
it's what it is. Oh, sure, <laughs> so sure. I was working at the factory, got yeah. off, put on my ball cap, <laughs> headed to the pictures. I shouldn't want people to like imagine like a very like flat brimmed like I'm that guy leaves the sticker oh, no, on it no, still. No. Okay. We would never. Or like a newsies hat. <laughs> no, a, like a fifle hat. <laughs> a top hat. No, I've just come from a, a Yankees game in the 20s. <laughs> Sorry, the 1920s. I should clarify. I should clarify. Ah, oh, that was a callback. Ryan and Emma, what was your relationship like with this movie? I saw it with my friends at this table. I remember that scene that Jason just described very vividly. Um, had had you seen the trailer before? Did you know it was coming? No, no I spoilers. Did, I didn't see the trailer, but I knew it was coming because of my gut. <laughs> a mother's intuition, if you will. <laughs> and that's my relationship with it. Okay, Ryan. Um, I just remember being really excited, like having so much fun at the first one and then um, like seeing everyone who was in it and just being so pumped for the like the actors they chose mm-hmm. to be the adult versions of the kids because I, I liked a lot of them. Um, and then I remember watching the trailer a lot um, because I was so excited. I love trailers. I'll, I'll watch too. trailers. Um it's a, it's a weird tricky balance because I love trailers and I'll watch them. But mm-hmm. if it's a movie, I'm really excited about. So I guess I was really excited about it. So this rule doesn't apply here. But sometimes I'll avoid them <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> I have a pretty strict rule. I try to avoid them unless it's for like a franchise, which I, I can't help myself. But I'll usually do the teaser and then maybe like trailer one and two. And then anything after trailer two, especially TV spots. Those are the worst offenders. They always spoil stuff. But it's hard because you want to be so pumped. But then... A lot of times you learn stuff and you're like, I wish I would have found that out. Mm-hmm. Well, especially, the especially with scary movies. Especially mm-hmm. scary movies, but then it's also especially this year. Like by the time I'd seen a couple trailers for Tenet, I was like, I don't want to see any more because this is the only movie I'm seeing. Yeah. <laughs> I think there should be a rule for all movie trailers where you only show something, you only show scenes from the first fourth of the movie. Because if there isn't enough content in the first quarter of the movie to really excite you, Trip, yeah. then it's probably not a great movie anyway. But I think mm. that should be the rule. And it really is. It's, it's great when I watch a movie where or I've seen a trailer and I just have like just really like studied it. And then I find out that nothing. It was very either misleading or what I assumed would be, would be the climax of the movie was like halfway through. Like the Dark Knight is a great example where they showed so much of the confrontation on the street uh, at night mm. between Batman and the Joker. And that happened halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. So once that happens in the movie, I'm like, I have no idea where this is going to go. And it's the best feeling. Right. And I feel like Star Wars and Marvel especially are so good at this to the yes. to the extent that sometimes I feel like there's stuff in the trailers that you never see in the movie. They purposefully manipulate the trailers now. Marvel does. They like put people in, they remove people, they change like the clothing they're wearing, they like crop people out to like screw with you. They like add certain shots. They like are intentionally doing it now. And I think it's some people get kind of annoyed about it, but I think it's no. great. I want to be I want to be surprised in the movie. Also, with something like Star Wars and like Marvel, people are gonna see it. Yeah. You don't need to like show things. You just basically need to like give a vibe, uh, showing it like this is what the movie's gonna sort of be like. If Avengers Endgame had just been the title card saying it's Avengers and then like the cast list, people would still we go. We still would have gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no need to like show everything that happens. <laughs> I agree. What Jason for movie do? president. <laughs> movie trailer president. Uh, Thank you. I'd now lo- I want to know uh, what everyone's favorite trailer is. Ah. Uh, um, oh, oh, my whoa, gosh. Can of worms. Am I right? I could really do a whole episode on my top trailers. 
Yeah, there. I, that would I be love it. trailers. That would be very fun. Oh, maybe we should do that. A, a little one-off sometime. Episode. Yeah. Because I... They're... they're the art of trailers and how they've evolved over the years too, it's very interesting. Totally. And like trailer tropes. Yes. Some trailers from like the 70s and 60s, they would just tell you what happens in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, should we talk about this on our bonus episode for trailers? Yeah, you're okay. right. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, jumped, yeah, I jumped the gun. Uh, yeah. No. I was like, I was a, a sneak peek into what might be coming. <laughs> Ryan had a question earlier. I can't remember what it was. Uh, it was uh, not really a question, but more of a thought I had last night as I was watching um, Stranger Things, just diving into season one, and my brain thinking, what is the difference between fantasy and science fiction? And getting kind of stuck in a, a loop for a minute inside my head, it's the same. What's the difference? They're the same. What's the difference? Um, and where I landed, this might be not interesting at all, is that it's really a spectrum. On one side, we have science fiction and one side we have fantasy and where something lands is somewhere on that spectrum usually towards one of those or towards one of those sides um so then i just started going through in my mind of different things like harry potter fantasy star trek <laughs> science fiction star wars maybe more fantasy that was where i landed like what's the difference between science fiction and fantasy i i think that's interesting that you i don't know much about either of those things but i think it's interesting thinking of it on a like spectrum there's also like yeah. hard and soft sci-fi. So like hard sci-fi would be something like 2001 or Interstellar, where it is grounded in science. Right. And then like soft sci-fi, like Arrival even, like anything that's actually like aliens or something. I was actually going to explain it. You, you basically said this. I was going to say sci-fi is Star Trek, fantasy is Star Wars. Ah. Because Star Wars is basically, it is a, it almost, except for the fact that they're in spaceships and in space, it's not. It's completely. It's not science fiction. It yeah. is like a fantasy western. And I guess I was just gonna say how I landed there was thinking about watching this movie tonight at chapter two, and in the moment watching Stranger Things and thinking these are very similar but also very different. Well, I feel like horror. Well, and that's not that's not always the case. Horror doesn't really dip much into sci-fi. It it, it can with like like the fly and body horror stuff. Mm-hmm. But for I feel like for the most part, especially supernatural horror is. Uh, if it's paired with anything, it's more with fantasy. Would you like to be placed in the year 2019? Yes. I oh, honestly, more than anything, would back. like to go back. <laughs> All right. Top song of the week. This movie came out September 6, 2019. I found conflicting answers. 2019. Was it never really over? No. Maybe something with Khaled. He sings with uh, Ed Sheeran. Leah, Leah, Leah. <laughs> it sounds like Khaled but it's not Khalid no Uh, it was the answer that I found which makes sense to me was Taylor Swift's lover oh oh, oh my word of course that's what we were all doing then Um, some other things about 2019 in the pop culture Uh, fire festival ring a bell for anyone oh my gosh sure does (laughs) yeah we all watched fire festival did you watch fire festival uh, Chris Hodgson um, summarized both documentaries for me at work. You know what? That you don't really need to watch it. It was it it was fine. It was fun in the moment. Yeah, very fascinating. Yeah, and then it was just like, well, oh, I guess that's over. Kind of like Tiger King was. Good Kylie deal. and Jordan, the Tristan Thompson <sighs> cheating scandal. That was a that took that took up a lot of my life Whoa. and my brain power. The college admissions scandal. Mm. The end of the Avengers saga, which I know was important to you. I just got uh, chills as you said that. Thinking old, about the a lot moment of people. in time. It's the highest grossing movie of all time. I know, it was great. I just thought you'd have some things to say about it, but I guess not. So you scroll down on the podcast app 
there are several hours of things <laughs> I've said about it. <laughs> uh, and the Royal Baby, Archie, and Toy Story 4, which we kind of talked about. So are you all in 2019 at the moment? I'm there. I got one more for you, Ryan. Okay. Uh, Game of Thrones. Oh. Is, ended that summer. Is it funny now that something ending can be Game of thrones is that did that replace Lost for like oh, something not sticking the landing for fans? Yeah, I that think so. Ending. I feel like Game of Thrones, the ending was more bitter for me than Lost. I didn't mind it, Lost's ending actually. Yeah, it was rough, and I, I can't. I watched all of Game of Thrones in 2018, and then watched the finale, sort of live, the last season. So I, I can't. I can't claim to be someone who was in it for years and years, but I did enjoy everything mm. I watched. <laughs> what happened what happened is a tragedy it's just you know you give so many hours of your life to something <laughs> absolutely and it was all right there it was all right over there. here <laughs> i have a question jason last week you said or a few weeks ago you said that if you know the ending is bad of a series you won't watch it if you had known beforehand would you have watched game of thrones i don't know because i did rewatch all of it leading up to that last season and they'd even had like a sort of a track record of like Every other season was great, and the other one was, like, okay. And the season leading up to the last one was okay. So I was like, well, if the pattern continues. so What a weird pattern. <laughs> I honestly, here's the thing. I, I don't have a lot of love inherently for, like, the concept or, like, the world building of Game of Thrones. So if I had heard all the people that I know being like, that ending was awful. Because it actually wasn't as bad as people said, I don't think. But it still wasn't good. Um, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Hmm. I will okay. say, though, that some highs in that show... It was great. It was. And yeah, they didn't stick the landing. I will say, though, one of the coolest episodes of the entire series is, I think, in the last season. Oh, the win- uh, Battle of Winterfell? Yes. <clears throat> it was really cool. I watched it on an iPad at the gym. Oh, I watched it at home alone <laughs> at night because I wanted to make sure I could see. And I had to keep pausing it because I got scared. <laughs> I remember there was a part. There's a, a dead person pinned to the wall. And you don't realize it at the time, but it's actually like a zombie. Mm-hmm. And it moves. And I almost fell off the treadmill. It scared me so bad. And I was the only one in the gym, so it was good. It's like when I was reading the fourth Twilight on the treadmill and started crying when Renesmee kicked Bella's stomach. (laughs) Up top, sister. We've all been there. (laughs) Today, that reminds me, today I was telling uh, my boss, I was talking to him about how when I was 15, um, I went on a vacation, on a historical vacation to Europe and... Just every picture that I have has my finger in the toilet book, which we've discussed at length, right? I've yeah. told you all about it. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Nobody thought it was funny when oh. I was. <laughs> they just were like, "Yeah, you're. Yeah, okay, you're the age of Twilight," and I just was like, "Oh, boo!" I'm truly so embarrassed. <laughs> like this is funny, actually. Oh, I hate when you launch into a story like that. And no one really. Well, because it's also like it's it's so funny, but like just they were they're kind of older, and so they didn't. Uh, get it as I like yeah. did you show them a picture no but that maybe should be but I don't know I was burned one one thing <laughs> hey guys remember that story I told you oh, yeah. Yeah. that story that nobody laughed yeah. at here's a picture of it yeah cut them loose now but I feel like lead with the picture bef- like next time okay like maybe yeah okay because that's how I was introduced to the story with All the right. picture first we're workshopping we'll... your storytelling <laughs> I appreciate it. I do. We have some notes. <laughs> I uh, maybe maybe the uh, friends of the podcast will get to see that picture. <laughs> All right, the, are we ready to start this three-hour movie? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Right. Oh, Here we go. 
All right, we finished. How's everyone feeling? So good. Really good. I should I say what I thought about it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I still think it had some pacing issues, probably more so than the first one, but there were moments I really, really liked. Well, we'll get into those, I'm sure. Keep them locked in your head. Should I jump in with some facts? Do you guys want to hear some facts? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you're going to have to change that with the low. Yeah, I'll have to fix that. Yeah, sorry. You guys want to hear some facts? Yeah. Sure. All right. It is. So it was directed by Andy Muschietti again. Gary Doberman, who uh, is known for writing the Conjuring Universe movies. Oh. As in Annabelle. Mm. Annabelle creation. <laughs> the scariest movie I've ever <laughs> seen. Yeah. The Nun, which was the least scary movie I've ever Not seen. Not that good. Uh, and Annabelle Comes Home, which I didn't love. Which was also just fine. Yeah. He also directed Annabelle Comes Home. Uh, Annabelle creation is the most terrifying movie ever. Do you remember after we saw that? I remember dropping you off at your house in Sugar House, and you were the only one that was going to be home for some reason. Yep. And you and I walked through every room of that house mm-hmm. with the lights on. It was it was very scary. I think I was home alone the like whole night. Yeah. It was so scary, and I didn't even watch. I watched like a fourth of the movie. I. <laughs> Just was under a blanket the rest of the time. And we saw it in the theaters. It was, oh, it was so scary. You brought a blanket to the theater? Yeah, I used to do that, remember? In the winter. I remember that. Wow. That seems so long ago. It's kind of fun sometimes. Did you eat Cheerios at church? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just going to hop in here. There's something very comforting about bringing a blanket to a scary movie. You don't need to bring it to a romance or an action, but to a scary yeah. Yes, especially if it's cold outside. So how did you feel about the casting? Remember when I cut you off after naming the three that I knew? Yeah. I There was no need because I didn't I know, know any of the other ones. I, I kind of thought that. I was like, okay, kind of. Anyway, <laughs> kind it doesn't of. matter. But what what did you think of like, what? this is a question for everyone. What did everyone think of the casting? Because that is probably this movie's one of its crowning achievements. Dynamite casting. So good. It reminds me of Haunting of Hill House. I just I think the casting from like child to adult is spectacular. I know we talked about it last week, but that was always that always is something kind of fun when they really do cast someone people that look similar because mm-hmm. it kind of distracts me if they don't if it's not believable that it's the same person. Yeah, I guess any like like any kind of age difference between two actors or actresses, I'm always just like, mm. yeah. I I kind of thought with Eddie. I thought to myself, what are the odds that you two look identical and you both act? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I'm going to share one other thing with you that I learned. So Bill Skarsgård, when he went to the premiere of the first movie, he brought with him the guy who plays Stu or (laughs) Stanley. Okay. He was his guest. And then they just Whoa. cast him. Whoa. And they look exactly they, alike. They totally do. My one nitpick is that Jessica Chastain has different eyes than the young Beverly. Young Beverly has like piercing bright blue, blue eyes. eyes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Ben... <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's true. a valid point. That's but Ben point. has the same eyes. Both Ben's. I did notice that. Yep. They have those like kind of uh, droopy kind of at the corners, like mm-hmm. downwards. Anyway, it is crazy how much they looked alike. I just talk about that for the rest of the time. I'm like, it's I prepared a shocking. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. Grossed over 473 million dollars worldwide, 
and received mixed reviews from critics um, with praise for its acting and themes, but criticized for the length, which was a lot. I didn't notice it um, a ton until the very end. It it honestly, it didn't really feel like three hours. Uh, In some ways, they kind of felt similarly similar length, the first and second one, but it was just long and it kind of... It kind of took its time. It really was like we just watched three episodes of a show is what it felt Mm -hmm. like. Yeah, I noticed when they were in the cave battling Pennywise, it seemed like there were too many, oh, we killed him. Oh, he's back. Oh, we killed him. Like, I think they did that three or four times and then Eddie and then Richie and, you know, it just kind of dragged on. And sometimes there's a difference. Like, I'm totally fine with something taking its time if it needs to, but... Uh, like in this instance, I feel like some of the more dramatic or shock moments were kind of undercut because of how much space was in it. For instance, a character is killed toward the end of the film. (laughs) And I saw it coming before it happened because the editing kind of revealed it. It like they, they paused a bit too long and the music dropped out a bit too much where I'm like, he's going to die right now. I Mm -hmm. bet. And if they had just kind of, I don't know, like if it just would have been tightened up and, it would have been more shocking and I feel like a little bit more impactful. I, like, I just noticed that, that I was like, this is breathing too much. They like, you could have trimmed out some of the jokes. Like mm-hmm. they just kept things in that it was just a little indulgent that way. I agree. And I also noticed that they did the like intense music and then cut and then you wait five seconds and then something scary happens. That happened several times and it yeah. kind of ruined the shock after a while. The other one is just kind of like, the scares are kind of in your face more in this mm-hmm. one. I don't know, though. Because, like, I was reading a lot about what critics said about it, mm-hmm. which was that the scares were not as intense with this one, which I actually disagree with. Interesting. I don't know if the scares were as intense, but they're... I feel like in the first one, and maybe that's just because it was a week ago and I've forgotten everything, but it doesn't feel... It feels like a drama with some scary moments, hmm. whereas this one feels a lot more just like a horror movie. Hmm. I think also the reason why the scares didn't weren't as impactful was they're not that different from the first one. So you just spent two and a half hours of Pennywise doing his thing and you're kind of used to it and nothing's very different. So you kind of every you're just able to anticipate everything that happens. And he doesn't do anything dramatically different in this one. But I think why I, the first one might have resonated more anyway was um, it's kind of just more interesting to have like a coming of age story where kids are fighting against a supernatural creature more than spending like three hours with adults. It's fine too, but I think it's, they just, it's too long. I was surprised at how much they did incorporate like the, the very like dense, like mythology. Theology. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I felt like a lot of it was just um, Mike's character just kind of like spilling like exposition at you to like describe like so that to set the scene of like how everything is supposed to be there's a little Uh too much of that yeah there's so much of it you didn't in the first one it was a pretty straightforward like you didn't really need to know the like the the background or like the dynamics or like this yeah the rules of why he exists or where he is it just makes sense that there's something creepy in this town and it's eating kids and it's supernatural and that's all you need and you just you're the kids Mm -hmm. and so there was something a bit more like streamlined with that i was i don't know i just feel like this might have been better as a netflix series Hmm. interesting interesting thought because Hmm. the parts that worked the best was when it was going cutting back and forth between when they would like revisit the places and like relive the scares Mm -hmm. Hmm. and so if you had had both of these narratives not running like straightforward basically but had like jumping back and forth 
it felt like someone could take this and like re-edit it into like a five episode series, series. miniseries. Yeah. He's actually said Andy Muschietti's actually said he's interested in doing that. I think that would be I I think it, I think it would work a lot better. I still liked it. But do you just think, to be clear, do you, <laughs> do you think anyone could making well this guy making the series could add or provide anything else that the movie didn't? Yeah, I'm sure they have. I'm sure there are other scenes that he's like cropped out. But I think structurally and pacing wise, it would serve it better. Yeah. To like jump back and forth within the narr- between the two narratives, it's kind of like we were saying last week how it just felt like it kind of kept going on and on. If you split that into episodes. That you you, you don't that. have that yeah. like that because the structure you're just it's a different type of storytelling and a different medium than a movie and so I just think it would have served it better. I feel like most books in that sense fit. Books are hard because there's there's so much. Yeah, there were like there's uh, moments though that I really like. There were parts where I was like, oh, this is like almost too jokey and it's not really scary anymore. But then there were emotional moments that like would really pull me in, where mm-hmm. I really felt like. I was really invested in what that was happening to the characters on screen, regardless of if I was like, oh, this is taking a long time or anything. I loved the character development in this movie. I just was very invested in each backstory and each like fear that manifested itself. And at the end, I got very teary-eyed when like Richie's crying and then they're, the voiceovers as they're you know riding their bikes and stuff. I, I thought the character development was very good. I would also say that about the beginning when they're at dinner. That part is also very, like, emotional watching them all. Because they just look like they're characters. And also, we just watched this. So it's like seeing them all together and, like, (laughs) the gang's back together again. They're making fun of each other. It's so good. I totally agree. The Chinese restaurant scene is very good. Did it make you think if you got together with your middle school friends that you hadn't seen in in 27 years and you're all talking about your jobs? Oh, God. (laughs) Well, I was thinking about that during the movie because you two probably are still close and familiar with your middle school friends. Are you? Um, For the most part, yeah. I'm not close at all. I mean, I talk with one friend from middle school and that's it. So I just was thinking about that during... We just visited one of my middle school friends in Portland. I mean, like my middle school friends were also my high school friends and some into college. So he listens to this podcast. (laughs) Maybe not this one. Maybe I don't know how much he cares about it. But... Yeah, I it, I did kind of think about. I feel like that part was just very universal too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And just slipping back into like you haven't seen people for a long time, but some people you're just like mm-hmm. right right away. You're just like it, like no time had passed. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know who the pawn shop owner was? No. Well, yeah. Why did you point at me? You bet your ass I did. Was he the you pointed? Remember, I grabbed you. I did like the whole it's Stan Lee thing. Oh, That's yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. Oh, was it him? No. no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like in every wait, Stanley. In every like Marvel movie, Stanley yeah. shows up, you know. But this was Stephen King. That was that was Oh, him. it was Stephen King. Okay, okay. Can That's you imagine fun. Stanley just <laughs> Well when you said that I was like, he must have had a lot of makeup on. He looked pretty different. <laughs> like, wow, he's young. Yeah. Uh Andy Muschetti was also in the he's a customer in the pharmacy. I didn't see him, but I was looking for him. Oh, that is my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah, that's the pharmacy guy. Yeah, I don't like that. I so I like that's a real guy. I was the whole time like that's it. That's Pennywise mm. as that no, old just man. A creepy no. So it's, just that's old just man. an old. Well, remember he's, he's a creepy creep. in the begin in the first one too. He's making Eddie oh, paranoid yeah. about his medicine. He was like, oh, that might be a cancer. 
And he like kind of like hits on Beverly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot about that Ugh, guy. That's gross. The town of Derry, Maine is Port Hope up in Canada, which I think we talked about last time, but I was also very confused on where they filmed it. They did not film in upstate New York. They filmed in a place called North York, <laughs> which I got confused by for some reason. Anyway, I just wanted to go back and of correct. Of course, North York. We're all familiar. <laughs> We've already gotten like 30 emails about it, I so know. we're just trying to clear the record. Sorry. I have a question. So, uh, it's home. It's, it's uh, mansion. It was next to just some a bunch of normal houses on the block. <laughs> I, know, right. I noticed that. So have those houses just been like keeping like normal life going with this I like, wondered, demonically possessed? Yeah. I kind of wondered if like, I think last time I brought up. <laughs> it's got to hurt the property value. But just like they didn't notice it. Like the the, oh. okay. the psychological haze that it puts over the town. What about it? Like yeah, didn't having... we say the parents were possessed like throughout the town? Wasn't it's just that... that, like they're like there's a, a fog over them basically. Mm. So do you think they'll notice now it just is completely gone and is it like a hole? It's like when they all wake up at the end of Beauty and the Beast. I was just thinking <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I was also wondering what are they going to do about Eddie's death? What are they going to do? How do you explain the Eddie's died. I don't know. I was thinking about that as well. Cause like what happens when you're just like, I don't know. We went down into this hole in this haunted house and then he died with the thing that we killed. And like, we didn't kill him. I was thinking about how, how, yeah, how you would explain that. And now the house has collapsed and, and on over the evidence. Yeah. Or they stabbed the bully too, to death. Oh yeah. They never talk about that. And he was at the hotel they were staying in. He was in Eddie's room. There's just a lot of evidence tying Wait, them to all this. remind me how he died? He was stabbed by Eddie. He stabs Eddie in the but face. But he crawled out the window. So then he's in the library. He's in, oh, that, oh. in the library. No, no, Richie kills him. You're right, you're right. Yes. How, what? That's even worse. The axe in the head. I think that, I think Eddie's death is worse because Eddie just flew to meet up with some friends from his oh, like yeah. hometown and has now disappeared and he has a family. At least with Stanley's death you have closure <laughs> like it's weird yeah i thought it was interesting how the children's parents that you meet in the first movie in the second movie you see that those children have grown up and kind of married people similar to their parents like eddie married someone very similar to his mom um beverly married someone like her dad stanley you don't really get to know his wife that much but she's like very put together and proper and Good observation, Emma. Thank you. I have a fun fact. The actress who plays Eddie's mom and the actress who plays Eddie's wife are the same person. Oh, my word. Wow. I know. Uh, the studio spent a total of $95 million promoting the film. I didn't see where it said how much they spent on Didn't make It made like half as much as the first one, right? $473.1 million worldwide for a net profit of $169 million. Yeah, didn't the first one okay, make like so just... $800 million? Yeah. Why didn't the second one do as well? People just weren't impressed with one, so they didn't go back? Do you think it was, like, critics rating? Um, probably a little a mixture of everything. I think the critic score was not a lot lower, but it was definitely lower. And, like, I mean, it, it wasn't that much longer than the first one, but... But you, you have... look at 249, and that's... Hefty. Well, you can't show it as often either, because uh... if you have a three-hour movie versus a two-hour mm. movie, you can literally show it 
a, you know, you're missing a third of them. That's honestly what made like something like Avengers Endgame so impressive. Yeah. Because it still made it still made so much money. Two billion dollars at well, no was, three hours. That's three hours. But they were like it was like from every theater from everywhere. like six AM to five AM basically. <laughs> yeah. So it was just shown everywhere. Like they had just overlapping times all the time. But it does make it hard like there's pressure, I feel like, especially for blockbusters and things that are gonna make a lot of money, to kind of rein in the runtime a little bit. Remember when movies were 90 minutes? Yes. They still are. You just got to find the right ones. Comedies and horrors, mostly. Yeah. Because those are the ones where it's the same thing. It's like the elements of them are supposed to shock you and surprise you. And if it goes on for too long, you get accustomed to it. And like the jokes or the bit or like the screams or the scares, you kind of like, you see it coming. I have a question. Are you still? Holy shit. Yeah. We'll answer it. (laughs) What's up? How come everyone um, was freaking out at Mike at the beginning saying he lied to them? He called them and said, come to Darianne, I which is what they did. <laughs> like Darianne? Or Dairy. <laughs> There's a town in Connecticut that I visited called Darianne. <laughs> You're just waiting for the opportunity to throw that in there. I've been to Connecticut. Ever heard of it? <laughs> I didn't know she was doing that well. <laughs> <laughs> a trip to Connecticut? <laughs> Shows my net worth. <laughs> I feel like I know the answer to that, though. Well, tell. I think it's because they'd all forgotten, like, the further they got away from, mm-hmm. from Derry, like, they don't remember anything. So when they all showed up, they were, when they're there, the memories are starting to come back. So they're like, you didn't tell us why we're here. Okay. So, so they were. told us to come. Yeah. And then, and then they're remembering, like, oh, my gosh, I remember the clown. I wonder if this is a part of the book, too. Um, but, like, I like the idea that, um. Because I I need like limitations on a supernatural terror. Otherwise, it can be either too powerful or not powerful enough, depending on what the story needs. And I hate those kind of inconsistencies. So I like the idea that it kind of has to stay near its well in its home for like its power source, basically. And when it's in its well is when it's at the strongest, but it can't really go further out. That's why it couldn't chase those people far away. And that's why when they leave, they kind of forget about it. I also like knowing that he doesn't really necessarily want to kill them. Because he wants to like feast off them for a long time. So that mm. also is like a reason why he doesn't just like, he has plenty of opportunities to just murder them. Speaking of water and Pennywise, one of my favorite shots is even before like the opening credits when that man gets thrown into the river and the camera kind of goes like in and out of the water and there's just oh, like this yeah. tiny glimpse of Pennywise. Oh, it's so scary. And then it goes back down and it comes back up and he's gone. I loved that shot. It was so well done. So reception, Rotten Tomatoes gives us an approval rating of 63%. Do you agree with that? I think it deserves higher. I think it deserves a little higher. In the 80s. I don't know if I'd go full 80. I might go 75. I might go 70. That's what I said, in the 70s. I I have no, I don't really know what the rating, I mean like, give me a movie that maybe has an 80% rating by critics. Honestly, a lot. Um, Oh, really? (laughs) Sadly, the only ones I'm jumping to my mind are ones I don't think you've ever seen. (laughs) Avengers Endgame has 96. Four? All right, forget the question. Lady Bird has 100. Really? It does. I think Spider-Verse also had 100. Uh, yes. uh, maybe Very 98. Close. Paddington 2 has 100. Oh, we're just Paddington 2 is an excellent just... film. All really? of the, I think the Paddington bo- 1 is an excellent film too, right? They're both good. The lowest a Toy Story has is like 97. Yeah. yeah. Wow. They're all very high. Whoa, okay. People people love that. They're, and they're, you know what? They, they, they deserve, deserve them. Yeah. They deserve them. Website's critical consensus reads, It Chapter 2 proves bigger doesn't always mean scarier for horror sequels, but a fine cast and faithful approach to the source material uh, keep this follow-up afloat, which I would agree with. 
That's how I feel too. I feel like it was a bit lesser than the first one, but the cast was good enough and I just like believed them. Like they were very, they had a lot of integrity. And so I just like everything they were going through, especially James McAvoy, not that the other, not any more than the others necessarily, but like for some reason, like the trauma he was going through, Mm -hmm. like just really, I don't know. He's just fantastic anyway, but like, I love him. I, oh. I, I was especially like hurting him. watching him and like what he was going through. And he how, deserves like, an especially in any sentence. He does. He's very good. But like how Pennywise was like specifically targeting his grief and trauma hmm. was very like upsetting. And he just was, it was really, really good. Yeah. There were just moments of very, like a lot of rawness. I felt like, like mm-hmm. where there might've just been there. There were jokes that I probably would have cut because they kind of like relieved the tension a bit too much. The part where they, rip off the face hugger version of like uh the, the spider stanley's face yeah. yeah when they rip that mm. off and they're like he's getting mad at eddie and he's just like georgie's dead the, the kid's dead stan stanley's dead you you want richie too you want richie too i don't want you i don't i don't please don't be mad bill i was just scared it, it's not silly. Like, I just really felt no. like that was very real. And that's just... In those moments, too, like, I'm always impressed when dialogue doesn't, like, try to be flower. Like, I think good screenwriters don't use flowery dialogue in that moment because you wouldn't. You would just use pretty basic, direct dialogue. I'm scared, as simply as that. And when, like, they're trying to pull Bill Hader away from Eddie. And oh. he's just like... He's all right. No, he's just hurt. Go. We got to get him out of here. He's hurt. Ben. Bill, he's okay. We got to get him out of here. Bev. Richard. What? I used it. We have to go. Come on. Come on, Richie. Gotta go. Go. Gotta go. Let's go. We can still help him, guys. We can still help him. Go. Whoa. Guys, we can still help him. It just feels very true to how, like, you actually would react. And I feel like if you lose sight of, like, that, you need that emotional groundedness, especially in, like, weird genre stories where you can go off the rails really quick. And that's kind of where I felt like that when they spent so much time with Mike talking about the rituals and all this stuff. And I'm like, this doesn't feel really as grounded anymore. But those, like, emotional moments is where you're like, I would react. That's how I would feel. That's how, like, a real person would react to, like, a very fantastical situation around them you are emotionally connected to them because it feels true yeah i think the scene where they're pulling richie away from eddie's body is the most realistic death scene i've seen in a movie like for some reason i mean not the the way that eddie died wasn't that realistic but how everyone (laughs) oh stabbed by a killer clown crab (laughs) i'm like i could take or leave it um but how everyone else reacted i felt was so realistic that's what's kind of nice about having like a huge cast of characters in these movies is you do really get to see like different kind of perspectives of how people respond to something very scary or very stressful to switch gears a little i'm not 100 percent convinced that jessica chastain bryce dallas howard and christina hendricks are not the same person <laughs> i was actually thinking james mcavoy is also in dark phoenix he is. oh oh and oh. They, they share a moment together and i was like that is weird because they are in this bad she's bad just, X-Men movie. She's just doing nothing in that. She's just sleepwalking. Oh, you kind of feel bad. You're like, what a thankless, like... So something I learned is that he helped her get that part in Dark, Fe- Dark Phoenix? 
in this movie, she was the first one cast, and she returned the favor and helped him get cast. Oh, oh very good. Well, he I, carried this movie. I remember. I remember <laughs> reading like uh, like um, fan like speculations of like who they would want like dream cast for the older characters before they had anyone locked down because they that they filmed the first one like they didn't film these back to back because they brought the like the young cast back to film those scenes and they were like two years older probably yeah so, uh, finn wolfhard was filming stranger things season three which came out last year yeah and so they they digitally de-aged them and i don't know if you could tell i think finn wolfhard was probably the worst yeah. or maybe oh, really? maybe ben. ben ben yeah i thought eddie had looked like he aged the most ben's head looked like wrong mm. on any and so I, did finn wolfhard's like his nose tough. kept kind of i was just wondering if i would have noticed had i not jumping to stranger things i am i'm so curious how stranger things season four is gonna look i don't know if you watched hubie halloween but I haven't yet. Um, oh yeah will byers oh, is in yeah. that and he looks just old he looks uh, he's a man 18. yeah <laughs> it's so weird well i don't know who i was talking to you about this but i don't know they were like, I don't know how far they got into filming before they had to shut down for <gasps> coronavirus, but Whoa. like, they might have to refilm some scenes because right. hmm. it's like six months. Yeah. However, I feel like they're now to an age where they don't as dramatically change. They've all kind of reached their teenage Because they they're, are, they're yeah. all a little bit older than their uh, characters anyway. Because we rewatched seasons one and two right before three. Yeah. I mean, just doing back to back to yeah. back, it's crazy how much some of them even age. just millie bobby brown she is so tiny in the first season <laughs> i think the most dramatic is will byers and but his yeah. eyes are so much bigger in season one <laughs> and then in season two his face kind of grows in he got it from his mother is the aging essentially just like photoshop it's just like, like airbrushing yeah it's like smoothing them down some of it is like kind of like reshaping their face a little bit just bloop, bloop, bloop. i don't know if you bloop, watched bloop, bloop. um the irishman yeah i did but so like they they de-aged them for a lot of the movie basically all of it like De Niro and Al Pacino and a lot of it is like they trim they have to trim down their neck their Mm. faces their cheeks just because they haven't nailed it yet they've gotten close I actually think the best I've seen is Samuel Jackson in Captain Marvel yeah yeah. that's great that was incredible I thought I was watching Pulp Fiction era Sam Jackson it was Hmm. weird but it always looks a little wonky I, I kind of wonder if it never won't just because of the uncanny valley but they're, I don't know, they've improved it, in, like, incredibly. I know for Sex and the City 2, the movie, they, like, <laughs> touched them up quite a bit. And Digitally? Air, well, that's the thing. I don't know if they just, like, I don't know what the difference between, like, airbrush and re- de-aging, but they, like, did a lot of work on them in the movie. Weird. Digitally. I kind of think with, with this one, like, would it really have been that distracting just to have them bring back the young actors like two I years later. I thought about that too, but it was, I think it would have because it would have been that exact same summer. It was supposed to be that summer. Yeah, okay. because it's before Bev leaves. Emma, have you heard anything about um, the Superman's mustache from mm. Justice League? No. Oh. <laughs> Are you going to tell her? Sure. Do, I have, do you have a second? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Henry Cavill was filming Justice League in which he plays Superman. Okay. And then... He left that production to go do Mission Impossible 6. For Mission Impossible 6, he grew a mustache. And they wanted them to come. They, there was a lot of like turmoil within the production of Justice League, and they wanted them to come back for reshoots. And Paramount, who does Mission Impossible, and uh, WB, who does Justice League, Paramount was like, he can't shave his mustache. It's in his contract. <laughs> and WB was like, we need him to be Superman. Um, like, how can we figure this out? And Paramount's like, sorry, you can't. I guess you'll just have to digitally shave off the mustache. And they said, what if 
we physically shave his mustache and then we pay out of pocket to digitally put a mustache back on him for your movie, which is a lot easier. And they said, no. (laughs) Sure, sure. So in a lot of scenes in Justice League, which is a mess in its own right, he just looks like has this wavy upper lip. (laughs) It looks incredibly bad. I can't believe it. That is one of my favorite things when like, when you cut... Yeah, like the actors have their hair parted differently or like a phone is missing in the background because they clearly just like redid the shot. I love stuff like that. I love the idea of them being like, can we do this? And then the other person just, no. (laughs) Like, Like, that's it. Millions of dollars spent because... Henry Cavill wouldn't shave because of scheduling. How long does a mustache take to grow? He he couldn't shave it. They wouldn't let him shave it. It's in. It was in his contract. There are set photos of him dressed as Superman with a mustache. (laughs) It looks ridiculous. It's not the same, but it reminds me. You told me this in Cats how they didn't have time to fix (laughs) Judy Dench's hands to make them pause. When you see her wedding ring, I love that. In Mission Impossible specifically, there's a GIF you can find. It's the scene when they're in the bathroom and Henry Cavill, like punches his arms forward like he's getting ready to fight, and in that like punch forward all of a sudden his pocket disappears or reappears i can't remember sweat like appears instantly oh um, yeah i've it's, seen this it's a continuity nightmare oh my gosh <laughs> also in that scene they add little like like a gun cocking sound it's so damn cool <laughs> <laughs> really anyway little cgi oh, yeah. detour so in july 2017 the child actors from the first movie were asked which actors they would choose to play them in the sequel sophia lillis who plays beverly chose jessica chastain and finn wolfhard chose bill Hader. wow both obviously are wow. in the movie bill Hader was so incredibly flattered that finn wolfhard chose him because he liked his work in stranger things and oh had never met him before so he was just very like flattered and touched which is interesting i wonder who we all would pick as our yeah who would you pick julia roberts <laughs> probably one of the ryans i just don't know which one <laughs> i'm just like uh, richard gear <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh does it have to be like someone we think could play us yeah yeah Oh, she's like your age, though. I'm saying like 20 years older than you. Oh, the mom from <laughs> the mom from Elf. <laughs> I love her. She's also in Zoe's Extraordinary She's playlist. also in the other guys. <laughs> no, not name? the other guys. Step brothers. She's married to the guy from. Uh, we're just the guy from the girl from. <laughs> oh. Married to the guy. Dan. Dan, uh, Dan not, not Dan. No. Yeah. He's, Cheers. Yeah. Sam. No, that's the name of the no. show. Wow. Ma- Maureen Steenberg? Steenberg? Something like that? Yeah. Ma- yeah. Mary-, Mary Steinberg? She's in Back to the Future 3. I don't think she really looks like you. She doesn't. I just, she was the first one to come to my mind. Okay. She's just she a great actress. She could play actress. me. I don't know who would play me in 20 years. Tom Selleck? Okay. <laughs> Tom Selleck. Three men and a baby. All right. Also Ted Danson. <laughs> Ted Danson. Oh, Ted Danson. So Bill Skarsgård talked about the possibility of a third installment. I don't know if you've heard this or read this. I have, but I didn't. I purposely like didn't try not to read too okay. much into it. 
So he said it would it, it would have to be the right type of approach to it. The book ends where the second movie ends, so that's the final chapter of the story. There's an interesting aspect of going back in time before all of this happened. There might be a story there that might be worth exploring. Obviously, that would be a story that's not in the book, so it would be free, a freestanding story, but within the same universe, so there might be something interesting out of that. So I think it would be fun. It wouldn't be a sequel with the same characters. In like 27 years, it'd be like a prequel or something else. Yeah, kind of like, I'm sure, like an origin story to Pennywise, maybe. I don't know if I'm or as interested. Evil... Or just like Pennywise in the 20s. like. Oh, that would be interesting. 27 years before. I'd, I'd watch whatever or came the 30s out of it. When I, I, was... I, lo- I love Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. I don't think I'd be as interested in that. Because like what drew me to this was like the characters and like the emotional connections between yeah. them. Yeah. I would be interested if they were able to get like Stephen King to sign off and do a third one and cast like, have it be a little set in the future and cast like actors in their 60s. Really? Maybe. I don't know. Huh. Okay. I'd be more into <laughs> that. Just, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. No I bad ideas. I agree. I don't know if I need to see Pennywise fight people I don't know. Yeah. I'd be more interested in a direct sequel than like something else, a spinoff. Mm. Not the mythology of Pennywise. You're done with that. Gotcha. Close the door. Uh, the guy who played Ben was a circus clown before he was an actor. Oh, my which God. Which is interesting. Wow. The, the older Ben. Obviously, not the kid Ben. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, the Five older years of experience. <laughs> yeah. um, so the adult losers wear only one outfit each while they're in Derry, although 50 to 60 versions of the outfits were designed for Whoa. the actors to wear throughout filming. Whoa. This is like such a weird... I love uh, stuff like that. That makes sense. They change. Yeah. They, they get torn up. Well, I, they probably like put on torn up clothes. Yeah. You know? Filming for weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 86 days is what I read. Woof. I know. Is, is that long or short? That It seems long. No, that's about right. That's about right for like a production like this. But like then three they months. take they take Saturdays and Sundays off, or is it just like is it eighty six business days or eighty six days? What are we uh, talking about? Probably business days, but they probably go all. They probably take breaks, right? And they're mm-hmm. on set different days depending on the scenes too. So you kind of get breaks that way. Finn Wolfhard, every day he was off for it, he was filming Stranger Things. Oh my, oh my god! Isn't that crazy? He is so wealthy. I don't, what's his net worth? Just I, we look that up on it. He's just kind of getting like stuck in. I, I, do you think he'll kind of just get like after a couple couple years? We won't really know what Finn Wolfhard did because I hope not. I like him. But all he did was it, Stranger Things, and then the Ghostbusters sequel that's coming oh, up. It's yeah, just like, like the same eighties yeah. nostalgia, yeah, supernatural stuff. All right, I got it. Any guesses? Four million. Sixteen million. I don't know. Really, just two million. Oh. Two million? Yeah. Wow. Seventeen year old two million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Low? Yeah, it seems low. You guessed it, didn't well, you? I said I think it said four. I mean oh. I t- they they sign you on pretty low to start, especially when you're a kid. Yeah. I told you that Chris Evans made three hundred thousand dollars for the first Captain America. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. How old was he? He was famous then, wasn't he? He was twenty uh, He did he, Fantastic Four. He was famous. I mean, he was known, but like, I, w- I wouldn't say his options were really great. I just remembered. Well, I, I totally forgot that I was very into the, what are they called? Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. Yeah. I loved those movies. Jessica Alba, Horatio Hornblower. You know, a lot of people hate those ones, but I kind of, they have a, a soft spot in my heart. Yes, I was so He's into funny them. in those too. He's yeah. great. Well, he ended up making $25 million for The Last Avengers, so he upgraded oh my God. quite a bit. But 300 k that's it. So I mean, I'm he at- knew he was signing 
yeah. multiple movies with the op- like the option to like re up. Yeah, but still, it's that makes me think they probably made pretty little for the first season of Stranger Things. Yeah. I imagine maybe like fifty or sixty. <laughs> when you're like thirteen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go around and say what uh, the what was the scariest moment to us? Oh gosh. I think I might know what it was based yeah. on our our collective <laughs> reaction. I remember in the theater, okay. I got a different scare than I did, obviously, tonight. Yeah. What was it? In the theater, when Henry goes back to his, like, cell, his room, and the balloon's under his bed, and then it pops, and then his zombie oh. friend comes just, like, scurrying out. It is. That terrified me in I the know, theater. and I missed it. I was, cha- I was like, changing mm. my laundry. That part is really scary. Yeah. That that part wasn't that wasn't the part where I jumped the most, but that might have been the most upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I remember them having more of a, a central role mm-hmm. than they did. I don't know. Just a I weird memory. Yeah. Emma, the Paul Bunyan part. <laughs> the part scared the hell Paul out. Paul Bunyan really you got <laughs> me. <laughs> but in the theater, I remember I wasn't as scared by Paul Bunyan as I was Pennywise coming down from Paul Bunyan. That yes. part where he's floating across the sky mm-hmm. is so scary. I agree. Actually, um, I think the most unsettling part for me where I felt the most like anxiety and like this is really scary for what this is was when the kid is trapped in the glass house and James McAvoy is like trying to get through mm-hmm. and Pennywise is just banging his head, like smashing the glass. Oh. I feel like that captured... That's that was that felt more like the first one where they weren't like jump scares like the scares were in your face but what made them scary was the actual implication of what was happening yeah mm-hmm. just that feeling of helplessness of like I need to get through or like it's, you couldn't even tell that kid to run because he's just frozen with fear and he has no idea what's what's happening he uh. can't go anywhere yeah what'd you think about the move the move, the grandma move <laughs> it was oh, yeah. slightly different from what I remember oh. I thought it was a bit it it was a bit more spastic and I thought it was a bit more like back and forth hoppy because it happened and then I immediately pulled the old ball cap down. <laughs> so I don't really remember other yeah. than like I was seeing it in my mind of like, what did I just see? You know? I didn't I didn't remember that she peers around the corner and watches Beverly for a second. That oh, shit. That actually is when she comes out and is huge. It yeah. reminds me of the yeah. part in It Follows. Oh, when yeah. the very tall guy comes out from the Ugh. hallway. Have you seen it follow? I've never seen it follow. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Oh, that's a scary. We watched movie. that last October, but just like she comes out and she's scary anyway, just naked, scary old woman, and she's just like nine feet tall, yeah. Snoke size. It just Snoke size. <laughs> that part was yeah, that really like got me. That was. How do you feel like this ranks in like scarier horror movies for you? Is this in your top five? Your top ten? Your top oh, 20. I don't know. I would have to think about that more. I don't think it's in my top five, though. Maybe top 10. I'm going to think about that. We should actually, that's something we should do when we record The Ring. We're recording Spoiler. The Ring next time. Spoiler alert. We should come with our top five horror movies. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Would you count this as one movie? Sometimes I cheat uh, and do that. No. Like one and two as one like collective story? I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I'm not sure. Kind of like how I count Lord of the Rings as one... It sounds like everyone, I, I yeah, um, no, I wouldn't. It sounds like everyone else liked the first one better than the second one. I do. Yes. Do you still like the second one more? Yeah. I just think the character development, and I just care about the characters more in the second one than the first one. I could see that because, like, it's building off, there's, no matter what, just because it's building off what's already come before it, there's going to be a more emotional impact with what's going on because exactly. you spent more time at this. And I do feel like those emotional moments really hit and were yeah. really effective. Okay. I, fi- I finally watched them. You finally did. I'm so proud of you. You did so well. You did so good. 
Uh, where can they? Where can people find us? They can find us at uh, uh, mywifewatchesmovies at gmail.com. You can email us and ask us questions. Send us recommendations. Nice. All right. See you later. Bye. Watch you later. Memory is a funny thing. People want to believe that they are what they choose to remember. The good stuff. The moments. The places. The people we all hold on to. But sometimes, sometimes we are what we wish we could forget.